0: million dollar movie won't be seen tonight so we can bring you a very special episode of the gen x-files welcome to the gen x-files i'm jim i'm adam and today's show is all about stand by by me. me stand
1: by me oh stand by me okay (laughs) won't you stand? <laughs> Take yourself back to 1986 uh, January 11th The Gateway Bridge in Brisbane, Australia At this time the world's lo- largest Wow, the world's longest Pre-stressed concrete Free cantilever bridge is opened Yeah I mean, super cool It's a bridge Yeah, yeah. man,
0: let's bridge the gap
1: May 25th, uh, hands across America At least 5 million people from a human chain From New York City to Long Beach, California To raise money to fight hunger and homelessness I remember that we, we weren't you, a part of it. I, I don't did do kind did. of? Like I remember there being commercials, but and then I think it happened and I was like, Oh, okay. Is that where that
0: song Hands Cross the Water Water
1: hands crossed i'm pretty scene. sure that was from the 60s <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that was 1986 well maybe they used that song uh, pr- probably august 19th uh, two weeks after it was stolen the picasso painting weeping woman is found in a locker at the spencer spencer street station in melbourne australia yeah i couldn't fence it it yeah. was too hot so somebody's just, just i
0: put it in a locker
1: and i was like it. i'm gonna get back to Get back to the States, mates. (laughs) A lot of Australia in 1986. Uh, So, three days later, August 22nd, Stand By Me is released to box office success. Uh, Yeah, it was actually the funny thing is that the studio had cold feet about it, and it was supposed to open in like 2,000 screens, and they ended up only opening at like 300. Wow. Uh, Didn't open on the East Coast at all, just opened on the West Coast at first. Well, the East Coast hates childhood. Apparently. (laughs) So, (laughs) it was good. Uh, yeah, it eventually the widest release it had was 848 theaters, and it earned just over $52 million, well above its $4.5 million budget.
0: Wow, that's a low budget. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, they didn't, I'm sure they probably didn't pay the actors anything, a <laughs> <laughs> bunch of kids. But oh. like. that was part of the problem that the studio had, was that because there wasn't names in it, they were afraid that it was going to uh, not do as well. Uh, Which it did in the first weekend, essentially. It did or did not do as well? It did. It did much better than they were expecting. Well, Good. That's always a good story. Yeah. So, uh, Stand By Me is based off of a Stephen King novella. Right. Which they didn't really... Uh, publicized very
0: much <laughs> the Stephen King connection when they released the movie.
1: Yeah, because up to that point, uh, the first movie he had released based on his work was Carrie, mm-hmm. which was, what, 76 or 77, something like that? Yeah, I think Late 70s. Late 70s, yeah. Uh, and then The Shining, of course, and... Uh, Firestarter, Firestarter, Cujo, the, uh, Cat's Eye. Cat's Eye, I think, was after. I think it was 87. Really? Uh-huh. Huh. Uh, but, but even before that, it was, uh, there was like the TV stuff with same Essentially everything he had written had been, de- had been developed and adapted. Right. Uh, the, but the body and, uh, the novel that it was from different seasons was very different from the rest of Stephen King's stuff. I read that novel with a
0: friend. We were in the back of a pickup truck driving to Texas yeah. to move his mom back to California. Oh. Oh, one of the worst trips I've ever been on <laughs> my life. His dad was like 150 years old. He was driving this truck. And like everywhere he would look, he would steer. So if we were up in the cab, we would have to grab the wheel. He'd be like, look over there. And then i would be like, no, 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 Pops. He called him Pops. <laughs> Man, uh, <that's> terrifying. <laughs> and so he, we were in the back of this crappy big old Ford pickup truck. And we had a couple of sleeping bags or something, but still it was like a ridged bed. Mm-hmm. So anywhere you sat just hurt your butt because it was ridged. You know, there was, you yeah. oh, know, yeah, s- yeah. pillows in the sleeping bag, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we passed the time in this hot cab of a truck, Ugh. like we were being smuggled <laughs> into <laughs> East Germany and, uh, and and passed the time by reading different seasons. And it is such a good book. And, oh, it's fantastic. And it, it it really goes to show that. King doesn't need any of the supernatural or any of the you know the, yeah. the, the horror to no. tell a good story because these were four stories. There's
1: a little bit of the supernatural in a couple of them, but for the most part but not but not a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The other the other three there's four novellas in different seasons if you never read it. it. Came out in nineteen eighty two. Uh there is uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, which of course was made later into uh Rita feature. Hayworth. Yeah, Rita Hayworth, uh, by Frank Darabont, which, of course, was a huge... A lot of people think that's his first, Stephen King's first, like, oh, he's he can do stuff that's not horror. But, you know, I think the body and Stand By Me proved that otherwise. Yeah, and uh, the running man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, is that, and this is a little more King nerdiness, but, like, I f- it feels very much like... If Richard Bachman, the his pseudonym, he had been written uh, like The Running Man mm-hmm. and some other stuff under Thinner and things like Rage, that. The Long Rage, Walk, um, Long Walk is my f- absolute favorite. If if those had taken off, he probably would have released this as Richard Bachman, is my guess. But mm. I because it's much more in that vein, you know. Well, yeah, maybe. But I from yeah. what I've read, it's just he wanted to to kind
0: of get out of the, being yeah pigeonholed. But know? that's
1: but that's part of the reason that he did Richard Bachman was because. He couldn't get the stuff published that wasn't horror and that wasn't supernatural. Also, because
0: he just wrote too fast, and (laughs) his publishers were like, we
1: can't. (laughs) How (laughs) are you competing
0: against (laughs) you, buddy? You're literally releasing a new novel every three months. What are you doing? And the the Bachman books didn't get much of a response, but that's kind of what he wanted. He didn't want any sort of big push. He just wanted to see what happened with them.
1: Mm -hmm. And they did okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were fine. They were, they, yeah. But when, of, of course, once they find out, people find out of Stephen King, then you know, they sold much better. But Running but, Man,
0: is such a. I mean, it's
1: 180 degrees different than the movie. If oh yeah, you read yeah. that book. It's really. It's talk about an interesting dystopian <sighs> future. I
0: 2025
1: coming up in three years. <laughs> the Long Walk and the Running Man are two of my favorite Stephen King uh, novels ever. Uh, novellas for are very short. Uh, so also in different seasons was uh, Apt Pupil, mm-hmm, which was made into a movie by Brian Bryan Singer, Singer yeah. with uh, Ian McKellen and Brad Renfro. Brad Renfro. Poor, poor kid. Poor Brad Renfro. He had a rough time of it. Really great actor. Uh, the other one, Beyond the Body, was The Breathing Method, which is the only one to not be adapted yet into yeah. a feature film. It's a toughie. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a tough one. It's definitely the most out there of the four of them. Well, yeah, I mean, the ending is really... Pers- it's crazy. <laughs> there is uh, Scott Derrickson uh, is working on the breathing method. Uh, he did the exorcism, of, exorcism of Emily Rose, Sinister, and lately, most lately, Doctor Strange. Uh, and he's not doing Doctor Strange two, which they're having because they wanted to be more horror based, and he said no, and so they hired Sam Raimi. Oh, Sam Raimi. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, if anybody could
0: do it, he could do it. It's, I, I just, I still, I mean, the the the, the main thrust of the story is the climax. Yeah. Of yeah. her giving birth in a very peculiar <laughs> way. I won't spoil it
1: for you, but I'm really curious to see what they do with yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So mean, far,
0: it, the track record's been pretty good yeah. with different seasons. Yeah.
1: Apt People's the only one that, and I need to see it again. It's been a long time, but it's the only one that didn't really grab me. It's at, rough. At the beginning. I mean, it's a yeah. rough story. Look, it man, is. it's it
0: about is. a kid meeting an, I mean, it's Ian McKellen's performance is grisly, yeah. Yeah. baby. Yeah. It's, you know, and Brad Renfro, too. I mean, it's an uncomfortable movie to watch. Yeah. 100%. I mean, anything, yeah. About you know Nazi uh, worship or whatever, yeah, you know, it's a little too precious. But it just it just shows oh, it's. I, I don't know, man. You should watch. I, it. I'll watch it again. I, I definitely will. Not I definitely a huge will. fan of Brian Singer, but I do really like that film of his. And that was, yeah, I think, one of his first, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was one of the the first couple that he did. Back when he had a, had constraints. <laughs> <laughs> Some directors need constraints. So the body was uh, set in 1960, Maine, uh, the, the film when it was adapted. They uh, changed it to uh, 1959, Oregon, but I think only because they were shooting in Oregon. Uh, but mostly. why 59? I don't, I don't know. I think that was a Rob Reiner thing. Like, I think that he, I don't know if that meant more to him or something. Maybe, Maybe that's when he was that age. Or yeah, yeah. That's quite possible. But
0: it's, an, it's a very autobiographical Oh, it's yeah, one of the yeah. most autobiographical stories that King has ever written. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. in his uh, top five of his favorite stories.
1: Yeah, he, uh, Rob Reiner actually said uh, during an interview that uh, after Stephen King first saw it, he had to excuse himself for about 15 minutes. And he went to the bathroom and uh, came back and was essentially just like, you know, you've captured your childhood. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you you nailed this book. Yeah, yeah. He at that time it was his favorite adaptation of his work. Still and, in the top five. Keep, yeah, yeah. Uh, so pre-production, they uh, decided to buy because God knows everything that Stephen King made was purchased <laughs> and and made into something. Uh, Bruce A. Evans, a producer uh, writer, uh, sent a copy of the body to his uh, the wife of his friend and writing partner, Reynold Gideon, in uh, nineteen eighty-three. Reynold? Reynold? yeah. Yeah. Reynold. Reynold is a name. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Reynold Gideon. Uh, both Gideon and Evans quickly loved the novella. They read it and they said, "Okay, we got to adapt this." Uh, they contacted King's agent Kirby McCauley, uh, to seek negotiating film rights. And Kirby, Kirby, <laughs> Kirby came back and said, "Sure," but King's terms were that he gets a hundred thousand dollars. And 10% of the gross profits. So Kirby and Reynolds had to do a lot of negotiation. Yes, Mm -hmm. because the money was fine. They were like, sure, $100,000, we can get that. But the 10% gross profits. No studio's going to ever. Heard of. Of course. As we learned from Georgie Lucas, (laughs) you ask (laughs) for a lot and you take a little, it's fine. Uh, So Evans and Gideon pursued an established director. Uh, to help them sell the project, and that established director was Adrian Lynn. Oh, yeah, very, very famous director at the time. Had done nine and a half weeks. Um, Went on to do Fatal Attraction. Yep, and Jacob Slatter, Slatter, amongst a a bunch of other things. He was like the thriller guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lynn was in, and so they shopped it around, and uh, every single studio turned it down except for Embassy Pictures. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a tough sell. It's a, you know, a, I, a period piece yeah. about kids finding a body? Come on. I mean, essentially at that point, especially during the 80s, there, everything was star-driven. And, mm-hmm. and you could only cast children, and there were no kids that were pulling in, you know, Eddie Murphy money. So it's, it's a much harder sell. Uh, Embassy spent four months negotiating the rights with Kirby, settling on uh, $50,000 and a smaller share of the profits to ensure that the movie got made. Uh, Evans and Gideon spent eight weeks writing the screenplay, uh, and Embassy was, uh, unfortunately, unwilling to meet Adrian Lin's salary. Uh, He was asking for a lot of money, apparently. I could not find the actual number. Eight billion (laughs) dollars. Eight billion dollars. Um, he really wanted to direct the movie, but he promised that he would uh have a vacation following he was the production exhausted. nine and a half weeks. He yeah. was exhausted, he needed yeah. it. wasn't a vacation, it was like he needed to, he just needed to not die. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like you know,
0: <laughs> some of those guys they just go, 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 go. Yeah, and once the production wraps, everything hits them like a ton of bricks. Yeah, that's why it's like, yeah. oh, you, oh, they were hospitalized for exhaustion. It's like, yeah. well, if you're not drinking water and you're working 15 yeah. hours a day. Yeah, you can get hospitalized for exhaustion.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, and, and and the fact is, is that being here and having worked in Hollywood, like, when, you know, things are hitting, you don't stop. Like, you, you, you're afraid that the next thing's never going to happen, so. And rules are
0: malleable. Yeah, yeah. I worked once for Roger Corman on this low-budget movie, and the last day was 21 hours.
1: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. 21 hours, waft oh, yeah. black smoke. Yeah, I was. Uh, I worked on the first season of uh, um, House, and TV productions even worse because they they know that on that Friday they can go as long as they want because all they need is a twenty four hour turnaround. So God, man, there were days where I'd be working till like nine a.m. on a Saturday morning. Yeah, I mean, you get paid well. Well, oh, yes, not yes. by <laughs>
0: Corman because I was an intern, but you get paid well on you know. Yeah, at yeah, the money team, was but good. Still, it's, it's not. It's not just—I mean, yeah—a lot of movies for the actors are just kind of sitting around in your trailer until you come out and say two <laughs> lines, and then go back to your trailer and play video games or whatever. But
1: some movies are just—oh, just, oh, just they're non, monsters, man. nonstop. Yeah, yeah, absolutely nonstop. Uh, yeah. So, Lynn, Lynn said, uh, "Hey, that's great. I'll totally direct the movie, but I'm not going to be able to do it until the spring of '86, and they wanted to start shooting the movie long before then."
0: Nobody wanted the movie. Nobody cared about the movie. <laughs> but as soon as somebody's like, Hey, I'm gonna die, I need a couple of months, they're like, No, no, no we gotta make it now.
1: We, we didn't on. want it, but we have to make it right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. <sighs> That's Hollywood. Hurry up and wait. That's <laughs> the executive mindset. Yeah. So they contacted Rob Reiner. Uh, Rob Reiner was better known at the time uh, for playing uh, Michael. Meathead. Yeah, 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 yeah. one of my favorite bits ever is the
0: sock-shoe-sock-shoe sock shoe <laughs> Archie Bunker bit <laughs> where Ar- Archie, I don't know if anybody remembers old Archie Bunker was a really groundbreaking show by Norman Lear mm-hmm. about an old bigot, his uh, wifey death. Her, their daughter, and then their hippie son-in-law, played by Rob Reiner, and there's this really <laughs> memorable scene where Archie and Rob are in this room, and Rob's putting his shoes on, and he puts them on sock boot, sock <laughs> boot, which infuriates, infuriates him, infuriates Archie Bunker, of course, yeah, and he's yeah. like, he puts sock sock boot boot, and he's like, no sock boot sock boot sock sock boot boot, so they have this whole hilarious <laughs> argument check it out i'm sure you can find it on youtube but uh yeah he was rob reiner was a really gifted tv actor yeah yeah and a pretty new director at the time i think he'd only done spinal tap and, yeah yeah and, uh, he'd
1: only made it into the sure thing right there was with, the uh, john cusack yeah the two movies that he that he had directed both though. great oh yeah fantastic both are fantastic my Very favorite john cusack movies. is 80s john cusack oh yeah better off dead Whew, yeah man one crazy summer Cannot go wrong with John Hughes' 80s. Oh
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Come on, baby. <laughs> uh,
1: so he he was given the script. Rob Reiner read it and said, "Hey, the script is good, but there's not really any focus to it. Uh, there's not really a plot. I mean, the plot is literally they go find a body.
0: <laughs> it's like it's a nostalgia
1: not... movie. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, a, it's 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 a
0: capturing the feeling of being a kid. It's that we talked about this a little bit on the last Stepdad show about how difficult it is to give up your toys. Yeah, but yeah. every there's a passage, a rite of pass. There's so many rites of passage as a child. And some of the hardest ones are going from grade school to middle school. Mm-hmm. And then middle school to high school. Mm-hmm. And then high school to college. Because you're going to lose a lot of friends yeah. with each yeah. chunk, right? Yeah. So this really captures that last bit of magic before yeah. the change happens. And, and also that prepubescent time. There's nothing more important than your friends, man. Oh yeah, it is yeah. so dramatic. You remember getting in fights with your best <laughs> friend and storming off, and you wouldn't talk for two days, and then your parents are like, "Where's uh, Where's Ricky?" He's like, "Ricky's dead to me, man." And <laughs> then <laughs> you know, and it, that it, it no more encompassed by the scene in Stand By Me when uh, when Gordy gets tricked into shooting the gun. Yeah, yeah, at and, the beginning, and, yeah, and, uh, yeah. And River Chris. Phoenix, yeah. Chris is like, you know, thinks it's really funny. Gordy's like piss. He's like, I didn't know it was loaded. Come on, I'm just, I was just, and he's like, you swear? He's like, yeah, I swear. You swear on your mother? Yeah, of course. You swear on your mother's grave? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Do you pinky swear? Which is worse than your mother's grave, apparently. Yeah. But it's so true. You're just like, swear to God to me. Swear to God, to me yeah, that you yeah, didn't do yeah. this. It's like it's so dramatic. I love it, man. You forget you're how twelve. Yes. You're twelve. <laughs> yes, and it's just like swear to God. That was
1: one of my favorite lines. Was at the end when they're all leaving, and Chris looks at Teddy, and it's just like no hard feelings. And Teddy's just like, of course not, man. like of course not. And it's like, Give yeah, scary, you just get over that. Just get over it. Yeah. You're twelve. I feel like around that age is when you're it's it's you making your own choices, you know? Like, you, you're being raised, you're being told what to do. This is the first time where you have a choice of who you can hang out with and who you want to be around. Yeah, yeah. And it's important, you know, as, as a young well, kid. Well, then back then, too, and I
0: don't know how it is now, but, <laughs> you know, you got to run around and play with your friends and, and that was your world, man. Yeah, and it wasn't uh, really about girls then. No. You no, know, I mean, there were, you know, there were crushes and stuff, but it wasn't, you know. Didn't really understand what girls meant. <laughs> it wasn't like high school where it's all about, you know, touching boobies. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> or wieners, let's, you know, let's be fair. Whatever you want I mean, to touch. Whatever you want to touch. touch, baby. We're very <laughs> inclusive here. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it is such a crazy time, man. Yeah. Because. Yeah. It is just you and your buddies against the world, and you swear. You have your secret swears. You like I'd say the f word. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The oh, S yeah. word and how they smoke and stuff. You do all these like these little secret things that you think are like adult like that you don't really like because nobody likes smoking when they're a kid. No, <laughs> it's know? terrible. Nobody likes beer it's or awful. anything when they're a kid. It's all but awful. you do it because it's like you have ooh. to. You're yeah. going to prove
1: you're an adult. It's taboo. Yeah. It's all part of the process, baby. So after Adrian Lynn withdrew from the project, he finally officially uh, Rob, uh, Rob Reiner signed on to direct in September of 1984. Uh, Reiner said that he identified most with Gordy, like Gordy, the Will Wheaton character was was like I see a lot of myself in yeah. him. Well, that was Stephen King's. That was well, it was Stephen King, King essentially, yeah. Which makes sense because you know, you know every artist is going to yeah. Well, of course you identify with Gordy.
0: I <laughs> uh, really identified <laughs> with uh, D- <laughs> DeChamp. Champ. Corey Feldman's character. I really feel I was I really feel yeah. like I identified with being insane and wanting to murder my father.
1: <laughs> Actually.
0: No. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but honestly, you know, for me, I did identify with there's something in all of them. Exactly. i right? same.
1: I mean, yeah. I was I was the chubby kid growing up, but I still identified with Gordon sure. and identified with Chris yeah, and like because you know... everybody hates their dad at
0: some time and everybody's the bad kid at some time yeah. and everybody yeah. gets accused of something they didn't do or you know, I mean, if you've lived any sort of a rich life, then there's a little bit of all that. Yeah, I was the fat kid that got teased for a little yeah. while, you know, it's like as many different children as you can be is better for your childhood because you you experience so many things that it makes you more well-rounded as an adult
1: yeah it's it's a lot of you trying to figure out who you are and 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 you know who you're gonna be by copying everybody <laughs> by <else>. literally doing <laughs> everything everybody else is doing not anything different because you don't want to be weird <laughs> It's very true. It's very sad. Uh, so, but but the nice thing about um, Rob Reiner identifying with Gordy is that he suggested to the writers that they focus more on Gordy and make it more about Gordy. Sure. Which the book is not. The book is it, it focuses on all of them pretty um, pretty equally. Although you know, it's all from Gordy's point of view. Gordy's adult point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they focused more on that. They did rewrites and uh, got a new script in December of '84. And Embassy said, yes, let's do it. This is perfect. Finally. Yes. And it, by this point, they could have had Adrian Lin. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. They had just waited literally it's,
0: another month. <laughs> it's the Tom Selleck as yeah. Indiana Jones <laughs> situation
1: where if you just, it all could have worked out if people weren't just such I, jerks. But I don't, I don't, I mean, granted, I don't know Adrian Lin's work as well as I should. I 100%. know I definitely watched his stuff. Do not think he should have directed this movie. Right, okay. Th- that's where I'm at. Like. 100%. Rob, Rob Reiner is the right guy to do It's the
0: reason this movie did yeah. as well as it did. I mean, Rob, Rob got... Rob Reiner was able to get the performances that were 100% needed by all the kids. Right. And that goes with the Kiefer Sutherland and all the toughs, yeah. Yeah. you know, and the relationship with John Cusack and Will Wheaton, all of yeah. that stuff. Yeah. If any of that was cloying, if any of that stuff was saccharine or BS or... You know, was written or acted poorly, then the whole movie falls apart. Yeah, yeah. If you don't believe, love, and care about these kids, then you got nothing. And as much as I think Adrian Lin is a really great director or line, I'm not really sure how you say. His I always name. call it Lin. So yeah. did I. We're just going to say Lin. You know, Adrian, <laughs> give us a call if we're <laughs> messing up your name. But he is great at Fatal Attraction. Is an amazing movie. Yeah, it's one of the best yeah. thrillers ever. Yeah. Especially like a relationship. I mean, there's a reason why. I, why. Everybody uses Fatal Attraction as the go-to for a bad relationship. You <laughs> yes, know? They boil yes. a, a damn bunny <laughs> on the stove. But I don't think that necessarily his type of directing would have translated as well right, because he's right. a bigger, more
1: suspenseful, you know. It would have been a very different movie. Probably darker, I Yeah, think. yeah, yeah. I would agree. I, I feel like the – it wouldn't – yeah, it definitely would have been better in certain ways. Uh, or accentuated more because I think I, I think the um, the older bully kids probably would have been more defined Maybe. And, and probably focused more on that. But, but there any, was a anyway. what Reiner did was he found the joy of childhood, yeah,
0: and that was the main uh, thrust of the movie.
1: Yeah, and that know. kind of uh, loss of innocence.
0: You yeah, know? well, and that magic was, too. Yeah. I mean, the whole like several times, you know, when they're sitting around. Pitching rocks into that can. It's like, geez, fellas, this is the greatest time ever. And it's like, yeah, it is the greatest (laughs) time ever. Because it is, you know? Yeah. They're just sitting around free.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Free (laughs) of crazy loony dad. Literally told their parents, hey, we're going to go do this thing. And they're gone for three days.
0: (laughs) Free from the parents who don't pay attention to you. Wish you were dead instead of your brother. Yeah. Free of your six uh. siblings or a bunch of hooligans. Yeah. You know? And and free from whatever... Chub Chub, his eyeball isn't his brother Eyeball. Yeah, yeah.
1: I I think it's Eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> King's got such great names. <laughs> but they're all they, if they, if they, if their brothers aren't dead, they're they're kind of assholes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's
2: just how it a lot ends. going on with
1: those kids. Uh, <laughs> so just a few days before they started shooting in the summer of 1985, Embassy Pictures was sold to Columbia Pictures and planned on canceling the movie. Of course, everything went in. <sighs>
0: This is so sad. But when something gets sold, or uh, like a studio, or if a new studio hit comes in, what they, the first thing they usually do is take everything that's in production and put it in turnaround, which is uh, yeah. code for development hell that it'll never get out of. Yeah, we're just never
1: going to make this. Uh,
0: yeah. Because they don't want anything from the previous regime, and they want to put their own stamp on right. their you know reign of
1: terror. Despite <laughs> or besides it being potentially great – they just don't want it. Yeah, because it's not about creativity with them.: No, it's about making it theirs.:
0: Studio executives are motivated by fear <laughs> fear of losing their job, fear of their you know somebody coming up and taking their job. Yeah. That's why they're not very we talk a lot about the executives <laughs> and not in a very glowing way, but it's true that they are the main reason for the dearth of creativity in certain yeah. projects. Yeah. When you see a project that just is a mess.
1: You better believe there's a lot of
0: executives throwing their wee-wees around trying to uh, put their stamp on that project.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, There are good executives, uh, as evidenced by Norman Lear. 100%. Now, granted, Norman Lear is not your typical executive. He's a creative. Because he's
0: a creative. He created all in the family. Yeah, He
1: created some
0: of the most groundbreaking and
1: important oh, yes. television shows yes. in the history of television we would not have tv the way now if it wasn't he's still movie. working today that guy is yeah. amazing, oh, amazing that's right. man. he yeah. is still alive yeah so he he was one of the co-owners of embassy pictures and and he really believed in rob reiner and he believed in this project so he spent seven and a half million dollars of his own money yeah
0: well he gave reiner his
1: first job i mean yeah. they knew
0: each yeah. other since all in the family when he was meathead Michael, <laughs> C- yeah, C- what is so, it? C- C- Stivic. 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 Michael Stivic. <laughs> Michael Stivic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um So yeah, of course. I mean, and he's he'd already proven himself as a director. Uh, yeah. I mean, these weren't big hits. Everybody sees Spinal Tap and is like, oh, my God, Spinal Tap must have been huge. Yeah, yeah. It's a cult
1: film, man. Always good reviews, but modest box office success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Better Off did it the same way. A lot of these movies were saved by home video, home media. So, uh, you know, uh, that's—being able to watch it over and over and over Mm -hmm. again uh, on demand uh, definitely helps. Uh, So jumping forward just a little bit, because uh, after the production was done, uh, because Embassy was also going to distribute the movie— and the embassy got sold. They needed to find a new distributor. So they went to Columbia Pictures with the film. Rob Reiner took it to the head of Columbia Pictures and said, just watch it. You know, if you like it, distribute it. He watched it at home because he wasn't feeling well. And, and this is Samwise Columbia. Yes. Talking about, the owner <laughs> yes. of Columbia Pictures. owner of Columbia Pictures. He uh, He was not totally into the movie, but his two young daughters loved it. Yeah, he was an old, bitter,
0: (laughs) destroyed man. No, I'm just kidding. But it does, there's a lot of this. Thank goodness that these people have children, because there's so many of these stories where it's like, well, I thought it was kind of crappy, but my kids liked it. So I was like, what the hell? Let's give it a shot.
1: Yeah, I definitely get opinions <laughs> when you're yeah, de- making decisions by in your Hollywood prospective audience. Yes. Uh so in March of 86, Columbia Pictures uh, they were concerned the original title The Body was misleading, so they had to rename it. Uh they decided to rename it Stand by Me. And according to screenwriter screenwriter Reynold Gideon, Reynold, <sighs> The Body quote sounded like either a sex film, a bodybuilding film or another Stephen King horror film. Rob came up with Stand by Me. And it ended up being the least unpopular option. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> and
0: I'm sorry, but the body doesn't
1: sound pornographic. No, no. It, to me, it, it would work. I don't know if the movie... I mean, Stand By Me is fine. Yes,
0: yes. It completely... Yes. It 100% conveys what it's about. Yes, yes. Stand
1: by me, yeah, my yeah. friend. You think i hidden. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll uh, get into Casting. Uh, so Reiner and the producers interviewed more than 70 different boys for the main roles out of more than 300 people who auditioned. Casting! <laughs> Casting, mm. yes. Uh, that's a lot. That's, that's well, a lot. It
0: is and it isn't. I mean, three, I mean, if you think about it, 300, they saw 70. They cast four. I mean, they cast four. Yeah. It's 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 a lot, but it's not like... We I mean, looked at 7,000 children around the entire globe for...
1: Yeah, because it's, it's like the... It's also a smaller movie. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. They didn't have the, the money to, to do the casting, long casting process. But, yeah, they it's pretty surprising they were able to find these four, of mm-hmm. these 70. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, the four that got the parts were very similar to their characters. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Will Wheaton playing Gordy. Who at the age of twelve? Uh, <coughs> differentiate him from Richard Dreyfuss, who played him as an old man. Yes, uh, yeah. But uh, will they Wheaton... look so much alike
0: too. <laughs> by the way, it was perfect casting. <laughs> I can't wait until Will Wheaton gets. It's probably only about five ten years away from looking exactly like.
1: Yeah, yeah. Richard Dreyfuss. He's that movie. pretty close, actually. Probably yeah. he is the same age. I want to say Dreyfuss. he's about the same. Yeah, because that's eighty six. Thirty. Yeah, it's so 30, 30 some years. it has got to be in his forties. Yeah. I think Holy moly. I think he's in his mid 40s now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he's yeah. probably older than, than Richard Dreyfus. probably was. Once. Yeah. He did the part.
0: <laughs> uh, Will Wheaton. I mean, he was still doing a lot of cocaine at that time.
1: It was weird. It was weird. Actually, I don't know if he
0: still was doing cocaine <laughs> at the time. So I don't want
1: to <laughs> It was weird to me rewatching this. It was weird to see Richard Dreyfus with that beard. Like, for some reason, it just threw me off. Yeah. Like, and it's it's like his part is very. He doesn't silent. I he's, don't... he's very like, okay,
0: Richard. This is how I pri- this is how I picture the direction. <laughs> okay, Richard. <laughs> this is what I want you to do. Okay. So, hey, you're looking. You're looking winsome. You're thinking about your friend. He's dead. Ooh, got stabbed in the neck Ouch. Okay. So you're looking, and then you're thinking, and then you see your kids, and you're thinking about your friend.
1: So the whole thing is just him <laughs> like eh, looking. I yeah. It doesn't. He does. He has very few lines, actually, on screen. <laughs> most of his stuff is VO. Chubber. Sick balls. Chubber. Sick balls. I, most of his performance is VO, and it I and literally just staring off in the distance. He doesn't have the most attractive voice. He does... I, he That definitely got worse as he got mm-hmm. older. <laughs> he wasn't quite that bad during this movie, which makes me also wonder if he was uh, affecting some sort of uh, uh, accent or something. No, well, he sounds like him. You yeah. He just wasn't as... Yeah. Well, it wasn't as
0: manic. That's true. You know, he usually played up until then very manic characters. You know, the guy from Close Encounters was a manic guy. Yeah. Oh, there's mm, UFOs (laughs) coming. Gotta make things out of my mashed potatoes. And then, you know, "Mm, there's a uh, (laughs) Kirkinius (laughs) Kirkinius. Hunting
1: sharks and stuff. This is just him looking winsome. Yeah. You know, keeping his kids from going to the pool. Uh, Dreyfus was not the first person that Rob Reiner, uh, tried to, to consider for the, the movie. He never is. The first... <laughs> Poor guy. It's <laughs> chagrin. He's got to approach people and say, please give me one." Oh, that's
0: says crap. I love Richard Dreyfus,
1: by the way. He's fantastic. Want to, yeah, yeah, he's a great I, actor. Like, he's listening. Hey, Richard, yeah. we're just teasing, buddy. Just kidding, man. You're great. You're right. Uh, one yeah, of the people be teasing. that Rob Reiner considered no, was, was David Dukes, uh, not... Not the, the grand not the KKK, 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 KKK who ran for office. The same was, uh, was David Duke. Duke. It was David Duke. This is David Duke's
0: man. Yeah. Shows you how important an S can yeah. be sometimes. Got to pluralize things, otherwise,
1: <laughs> you know. He was a very popular actor in like the seventies, yeah. eighties. If you saw any sort of TV, procedural yeah, he did or uh, the Winds of War yeah. and War and Remembrance, like these these minute big epic miniseries. Yeah, he's got the look. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they also considered Ted Bessell or Bessel. Ted Bessel, yeah, Bessel. from Bessel. That Girl. That Girl. Yeah, with
0: uh, he played Marlo Thomas's fiancé yeah. on the show That Girl. And I don't know anything about him. So He's a very know. Richard Dreyfusy type yeah, of, kind of that energy. energy. He's got that energy. Of, oh, hey, what are you oh, doing, That of Girl? Of... <laughs> Hey, you're being crazy. Get out of the phone, with
1: that girl. I don't know your name, my fiance. No, that that was girl. Her name. I know. That, that girl? Girl, yeah. Wow, wow. Okay. People don't realize that. Check that one out. Uh, perhaps my favorite possible uh, non Richard Dreyfus actor was uh, Michael McKean. Oh, yeah. Uh, who had worked with Rob Reiner on uh, Spinal Tap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately, Michael McKean
0: had still had the stink of Lenny. Yeah. Lenny from Lenny and Squiggy. so good in that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why. He. Unfortunately, was so good at playing Lenny on Laverne and Shirley, hello, Laverne, that he couldn't get anything else. He would take these supporting roles. Like, I think he was in Clue. Was he in Clue? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. He, he would take a, these Mr. supporting Green. roles yeah. just to show, like, "Hey guys, I'm not friggin' Lenny, okay? Yeah, just give me a shot." And thank goodness, because I mean, if you haven't seen Better Call Saul uh, or his performance on that, oh my man, god, he's so it's good,
1: amazing Guys, is so one of the good. best actors we got. Yeah, yeah, I, he's fantastic. He's he's aged like a fine wine, and
0: not he's to mention all the amazing uh, improvisational performances he did
1: in the, uh, you know the. The, All the Christopher Guest movies. Christopher yeah. Guest movies, yes. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, best in show. Best in, yeah. Uh, he's so good. He's so good. I, I Yeah. Uh, River Phoenix was cast as Chris Chambers. Uh, he actually originally read for the part of Gordy uh, yeah. against Ethan Hawke. They were going to have Ethan Hawke play Chris Chambers. Thank goodness. And he did not.
0: <laughs> I, you know,
1: I'm sorry, man. Ethan Hawke.
0: I saw that movie Explorers. Did you see Explorers? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good movie. But he was so annoying in that movie. Yeah. And he's been brutally annoying ever since. (laughs) Culminating in that awful book of poetry that he self published. I'm not a big fan of Ethan Hawke. Sorry, Ethan. Really? don't you... Uh, <laughs> Couldn't no. tell. Actually, honestly, I've seen a couple of things that he's done recently, a couple of Western things and things, that I've
1: enjoyed. Like, he's uh, grown on me. He's done... Like, Gattaca was pretty good, and... Uh, <sighs> he's just another guy that looks like he's acting. But he's, he's generic. I yeah. mean, he's just very generic. But he just
0: has that kind of Tom Cruise, I can see the wheels turning... Yeah. Performance yeah. thing, like very... Yeah. Tech- I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but... Thank goodness he wasn't in Stand By Me, because he was a whiny little actor. He almost ruined they, Explorers for me.
1: They made a good choice by casting River Phoenix. Uh, poor River Phoenix, who uh, everyone knows that he OD'd at the Viper Room when he was 23. Yeah. Deprived the world of his art and his talent. Yeah, he, he was, was a sad. trouble kid, man. I mean, yeah. you know, this This is
0: a story. A lot of these kids were trouble. Corey Feldman barely yeah, made it yeah, out. His buddy yeah. Corey Haim didn't. So, yeah. you know, I used to... Ugh, I used to go <laughs> I used to go to the Hollywood billiards a lot and play pool back in the day. And this I think this is in the nineties. And the quarries would show up in their <sighs> knock off uh Michael the, Jackson outfits. No, no. And just messed up, man. And <sighs> then this was like the height of their heroin days and I, just... I mean,
1: and if, and if if one is to believe Corey Feldman, God knows they had a good reason to be high oh as yeah. a kite well, all the time. I get it.
0: Yeah. You know, at yeah. the time, I was like, these kids are obnoxious and, you know, how yeah. whatever. But it's like, look, man, kids are eaten up and used and destroyed in this business. He's an easy target to make fun of because, you know, he does a lot of goofy stuff. Because he's a weird guy. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's like. Eh, go easy, man. Yeah, yeah. Walking like, walk walk in a guy's shoes. Dude's been through a lot. He's been through a lot, uh, and he was an amazing little actor. You know, back he was. In the day, oh Kremlins, my god. My, oh man, oh, and played yeah. like. Do you ever see the uh, uh, Friday the Thirteenth movies with him? I think yeah. four, where he yes. was like the kid who collected oh, masks, yes. and he yes, shaved yes. his head, and he became uh, yeah. Jason. Yeah. And he, oh
1: man, he was great in that. He was great. Yeah. Yeah, he was He had a great career. I he yeah, had issues much like his character in the movie. He had a lot of issues, had a lot of issues with his parents. Oh uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Not enough Rob Reiner directors out there. There's too many people that are willing to take advantage of the kids. Sure. But I think, you know, things.
0: his parents took advantage of him. Well, Wheaton's parents treated him like a commodity. Yeah. I don't,
1: you know, River Phoenix, I think they came from a cult. Yeah, oh they did. They were part of the the Heaven's Heaven's something. It was um I don't remember the name, but but they were. It it was a cult that
0: turned into this crazy sex cult. Yeah, yeah. uh, They were in it before all that stuff happened. But still, that's not a – you're looking at a bunch of kids coming from unstable homes. Very broken homes. Yeah, yeah. they're not getting what they need, you know. And this is why they latched on to Rob Reiner so much because he was such a a,
1: a positive figure. Yeah. he did pull a few little
0: tricky tricks, of course he and, did, and of little, course he did, you
1: know, he had to, I mean, you know, uh, and then uh, Randy McConnell rounding out, yeah Jerry O'Connell rounding out Jerry the four. was Jerry O'Connell <laughs> not McConnell not not who he seemed like a jolly i don 't think he had a i don't think thing. he did either, but it fits his character because his character didn 't really have any issues, yeah, he was just that kind of chubby kid who was made fun of because he was he was considered quote unquote fat.
0: Oh my god, looking at him. we watched that movie again. He is far from fat. No, that know? was
1: me growing up. I was the, the was chubby every kid, kid growing yeah. up who wasn't a, a little weed like Skinny Will Wheaton, little Will Wheaton. <laughs> uh, but they were so good. All four of them, they he actually Rob Reiner two weeks before they started shooting, he he had them go to like this camp and then had them hang out together for yeah. two weeks. Well, that's and important. Yeah, they got to be best friends. All those scenes you see of them hanging out together, they all really liked each other mm-hmm. and. They were friends, and he captured that on on screen. It was it was done really well. Uh, Will Wheaton had a has a quote about this. Uh, Rob Reiner found four young boys who basically were the characters we played. I was awkward, nerdy, and shy, and uncomfortable in my own skin, and really really sensitive. And River was cool and really smart and passionate. And even at that age, kind of like a father figure to some of us. what figure? A father figure. (laughs) (laughs) Jerry was one of the funniest people I'd ever seen in my life, either before or since. And Corey was unbelievably angry (laughs) and in an incredible amount of pain and had an absolutely terrible relationship with his parents. Yeah. It's just Amazing. Rob Reiner being able to see this. and, and yeah, like, Let's give the casting director her their due. Sure, well of course. Because, of course. But he was able
0: to tap into it. Yeah, yeah. But he was also, you know, he, he wasn't a nurturing director no. so much. No. Because he would pull tricks. Like he would, yeah. you know, say, you know, when they were doing the train thing. Yeah. They weren't yeah. getting it. He's like, look, look, you little monsters. <laughs> that train may not hit you, but the guys on that cart, they're getting real tired of doing this. And the train might not hit you, but they're going to hit you if you don't get your asses in gear. And so they they got their asses in gear. But they were little troublemakers, too, on that set, too. They they, uh, took all the furniture around this pool and and arranged it inside the pool. (laughs) Jerry O'Connell. O'Connell? O'Connell, yeah. Jerry (laughs) O'Connell. Tied up his babysitter and escaped to go get some cookies, and accidentally ate pot cookies. And they found yeah. him in the forest and had to shut down production for two days. Oh, so Jerry! Kids will
1: be kids. <laughs> so the cast also included Kiefer Sutherland uh, as John Ace Merrill. Great job of flicking that toothpick from side to side <laughs> baby. He was great. I yeah, he was great in it. I I mean, he played the part perfectly.
0: He also uh, separated himself from the kids and kind of bullied them on set yeah. to keep that. Uh, to keep it more real. Well, to, yeah. yeah, so it's like they weren't comfortable with him.
1: Right, right, didn't get, yeah, didn't Ugh, settle in. Method God, at that age. So... But yeah. what a great actor. I mean, come He's on. a great actor. Yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong. Uh, Casey Smasco as Billy Tessio. Oh, three o'clock high. Three o'clock high. Such a great actor. Uh, which we'll be doing an episode about uh, later
0: this month. I believe he reunited with Kiefer Sutherland for Young Guns and oh, Young Guns 2. Oh, that's 3. right. Yes. That's right, I forgot that he was in that. He was. Oh Casey, he was one of them dirties. <laughs> <laughs> one of them dirties in the in the young guns. Yeah,
1: uh, John Cusack as uh, Denny Gordy's big brother, and all the flashbacks. Yeah, still was not the big star he is today. No, no. But he was a
0: surprise. I mean, I I was a big fan of his by then, and and when I saw
1: the film in the theater, yeah, um, I was like,
0: oh man, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was he was really good. I, him and and Will Wheaton had a really good. Uh, um, relationship. Like, they, they played off each other really well. One of the things that's so interesting about those flashbacks was that
0: they were idealized, right? Yeah, yeah. So, Cusack comes across as super nice, and, hey, buddy, here's your hat, and you, I'm right, going to always right. take care of you. And, hey, Gordy, Gordy order story. Read that story, yeah. Pop. It's really great. And you think, wow, man, his brother was so nice. But, the character is remembering his brother. Yeah, yeah. They're flashbacks. And and when you remember somebody, you elevate them in your memory. Especially someone who's close to you that's dead. Right. This is what's so tragic about the death of Gordy's brother is that not only was he the parent's favorite, and so now Gordy's the invisible boy because the wrong son died, which is what he thinks. It's probably not necessarily what, you know. But he also lost his only cheerleader, his only right. Uh, his support yeah exactly the guy that was like keep writing buddy you're genius you know so it's
1: what a what a a complex
0: situation and
1: dealt in a very subtly complex way yeah it was it was done incredibly well and 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 will wheaton was fantastic like you could see the pain of of him having to lose his brother over and over again every time Mm -hmm. he thought about it you know it was it worked really well uh, rounding out the cast was, as, uh, Gordy's and Denny's dad was Marshall Bell, uh, who is a character actor. Oh, yeah. You've seen him um, in everything. Yes. You look up his picture, you will go, oh, it's that guy. He plays a bad guy a lot. plays a bad guy in comedies a lot, because he's got this weird kind of... Yeah, yes. <laughs> kind of <Strung> mugged <laughs> out, and, you know. Uh, most currently, uh, you can see him in insurance commercials with Yogi Bear. He's hiding in a tree at the very end of the commercial. Look uh, out for that, people. I was very happy to see him in it. I was yeah. like, oh, it's that guy. That Look, good for him. you got to keep working to get we're your insurance working. in SAG. Yeah. you got a minimum to keep up. you got to keep doing something. So principal photography began on June seventeenth, nineteen 1985, and ended in late August. Uh, parts of the film were shot in Brownsville, Oregon, which stood in for the fictional town of Castle Rock. It's uh, so funny. It
0: seems like every Stephen King movie uses the Pacific Northwest to fill yeah. in for the northeast maine? of maine yeah
1: and i don't know i really don't get why i mean i don't know if it's just cause it's the it's trees closer? i mean there's a
0: similar look you can get away with yeah there's a, it's the trees baby yeah trees are east coast trees are west coast
1: yeah, I mean it's in the same latitude, so like yeah. it makes sense. But like, I just, it just boggles my mind. They just go go to Maine. I, well, maybe they didn't have a town that was as yeah. old
0: looking as that town. I mean, that's that true. town looks that's like true. it was from 1959. And yeah, I know they dressed it and everything, but it's still, <clears throat> I'm sure it was built at the turn of the century. Yeah, and yeah, it has not much has changed. So you, that's it's true. Really, that's true captures the feel. Yeah. You know, okay. I don't want to say the the town is a is a character in itself. <laughs> I hate when people say that. <laughs> uh, New York is a character in this piece. <laughs> oh, hey, and Los Angeles is pretty much a character
1: in itself in my project. Uh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Approximately a hundred local residents were employed as extras during the the shoot. That's also um, so cool. It's always fun, yeah. Yeah, because then yeah, I mean, I would love to shoot on location, so
0: like that, and and have a bunch of people in it because. Then the whole town is like, oh, we have this movie. We have this little time capsule yeah, of, exactly. of what our town was like in 1986. Yeah. And I'm sure they probably have. Oh, you know what they do have? They do. They have a penny Yeah. that is, uh, that is stuck in the ground right where uh, Jerry O'Connell <laughs>
1: bends down to pick
0: it up at the end of the movie.
1: Yeah, they, uh, they put that in in 2010. Uh, and they do every year. There's like a Stand By Me Day. And they, they have people come in and they yeah. do like a pie eating contest and Yeah, and, and everybody stuff. pukes. So they put <laughs> castor oil and eggs in the pies. Everybody, so everybody pukes up everywhere. They call it the the annual stand
0: by me pukorama. But,
1: but the yeah barforama. Well, they call it the pukorama, the pukorama. The because mean. it's infringe upon the movie. They still have to worry about copyright infringement. Uh, the speaking of the barforama scene, that was also filmed in Brownsville. A local bakery supplied the pies and extra filling, which was mixed with large curd. Cottage cheese right. to simulate the vomit. I think that was one of the first times too that they used that tube vomit the, the thing that thing. just ejects it. Yeah. The, yeah, they
0: use that on Saturday Night Live a lot. They have a, like a in their wrist like this yeah. tube that they put up to their face and they just shoots vomit everywhere but i think this was one of the first times i've seen them use like a projectile yeah, vomit machine yeah uh
1: the first time that he turns and vomits it was upwards of five gallons of this stuff gross so much and that poor actor just all over him well
0: if it's cottage cheese and cherries and crap and yeah. it's a hot day man that that's gonna stink
1: not gonna be pleasant <laughs> Gross! <laughs> they uh, they shot the steam train engine uh, bridge scene in Brownsville. Uh, did they non, have sorry. an actual train? They did, yeah.
0: So it wasn't green screen. It wasn't no, shot on no. any
1: sort of, I'm just telling these people. Yeah, yeah. That was not, that was all practical. <laughs> yeah. It was all practical. And the, the way that they kept the kids from potentially getting hurt is they used a uh, telephoto lens, which would compress... The focal distance. Right. So it looked like the train was much closer than it actually was. And they also had
0: four little female stunt performers with close-cropped hair <laughs> to uh, double for the kids and, like, the running stuff. And they put, uh, like— uh, Plywood. Plywood down. down so, so they, they could actually run across it. Say, you know, because if you've ever <laughs> run across a train trestle, ooh, there's ooh. gaps, baby. It's uh, Those railroad ties yeah. are not
1: close together. <laughs> no. uh uh yeah, and and eventually they did have to—it uh, took them a week to shoot that whole sequence, and eventually Rob Reiner did have to yell at them. Don't smoke! <laughs> Don't have any cigarettes at all! Yeah, smoking is bad.
0: Well, Rob Reiner was a huge anti-smoking proponent. He still is. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, and, I, didn't oh I didn't know. Oh, man. Just about every single anti-smoking law that's been enacted in California was started because of Rob Reiner. Wow, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow, I used to crazy. hate him. But now that I don't smoke anymore, I'm like, okay, good job. <laughs> <laughs> now he, uh, like, he was so anti-smoking that the kids were smoking cabbage leaves. Oh wow! In the in the that it, must have been really gross. Yeah, it was disgusting. But he, you know, did not want the kids anywhere near tobacco, anywhere near nicotine. Right. There's this great scene where the kids need to cross this pond, and River Phoenix takes a a stick and plunges it into the <laughs> pond and is like, ah, oh, it's not even that deep. And they take three steps and, gloop,
1: and they fall drop
0: on. down in and, and uh, they end up fighting and it's a really funny scene. Wrestling. And and, uh, and it's great. And then culminates with them finding out that they have leeches. Ugh. Leeches all over their bodies and poor Gordy's got this giant leech on his testicles and Ugh. passes out. They had made this pond <laughs> on a set to, to shoot in. yeah, But they left it there and didn't Use it until the end of the shoot. So, oh, so they built it and then it didn't get used for yeah. a long time. So, by the time they got to it, there were bugs Ugh. and worms.
1: I'm sure raccoons had gotten to it. Ugh.
0: And it was disc, according to Corey Feldman, it was absolutely disgusting <laughs> when they actually got around to doing it. So,
1: they didn't really do
0: anything to, <laughs> to keep the kids <laughs> safe. They just oh. created their own stagnant, nasty, bug filled germ. All get diphtheria. Goop. Yep.
1: Oh, that's so gross. That is so that's gross. what killed River Phoenix. Ah. Unfortunately,
0: everybody said it was drugs, but it was the death pool from, death Stand, pool by from Stand By Me. Me. It just took
1: seven years. Exactly. But I think everything else was pretty much shot on location. Yeah. In that movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm i pretty sure that most of it was shot uh, around Brownsville and Oregon. It just gave it such an authentic feel. And it was Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Just the train tracks and the walking and the camping and the hiking. It's, it's just such, an, it's a, such a childhood adventure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I had forgotten that they, they're they literally out there for like three days. Two days. Uh, two days. I thought they went through two nights. They didn't go through two One nights? One night. Two days and a night. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Because it's summer and they're not in school. They're just about to go to school. They were just about to they're go about to About to enter junior high. About to go to junior Everything's high. Everything's going to change, baby. They're going to.
0: Hey. Gordy's got to go to the smart classes. No, yeah. Gordy's not going to go do the dumb classes, and Chris is going to make sure. Because you know what? Chris wishes he was his dad. (laughs) If he was his dad, he wouldn't be taking them dumb shop classes. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. That is true. Chris was very concerned. And that's just, like, that's the thing, too, is these kids really cared about each other. Yeah. A lot of directors and a lot of films capture the kind of superficial... Friendship, you know, ragging mm-hmm. on each other and,
1: yeah, you know, that kind you, of thing. Yeah.
0: But it's really, really difficult to get the actual emotion of childhood correct and the core of childhood friendships correct. Yeah, feel
1: genuine. Like exactly. That.
0: Yeah, and yeah. and, and the, the way to achieve that is to realize, as we talked about, just how unbelievably important yeah. your friends are at mm-hmm. that age. Because that's those are your first real kind of friends, you know. You when you're little, you get thrown into playdates or whatever with babies and stuff, but you're not really friends. You're just no, like oh, no. human, human, push, push. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. But this is the time when you really pick your friends, and and like according to Gordy's dad, he didn't pick Rhett. He's like, why can't you have yeah. friends like your yeah. brother? You know, you're two phobes and a thief.
1: Yeah, That's a really mean way. <laughs> that is really mean. It was really. It was so man.
0: But he, the kids, like screw you, dad. These are my friends. Yeah, you know, it's and that's why it works so well because it. You see, everybody has a moment, man. Chipper, sick balls when they go to the <laughs> the junkyard. The junkyard and the old guy's like, you're a loony and your dad's a loony. He took yeah. your put your ear to the thing and 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 Corey freaking fell is it's just Ugh. like ah, I'm gonna rip your head off and shit. Yeah, this dad that he wants dad, to dad. murder.
1: <laughs> But no, but he's going to do it, and you can't make fun of him. exactly. It's just the raw
0: emotion and just how that kid is just devastated, head hanging down, hot, embarrassed, tears streaming down his face, and the first thing he can say is like, sorry, I'm ruining the the Uh, trip for you guys. I think the only one that doesn't really have any sort of real emotional breakdown is the fat kid. (laughs) His moment comes with the train, the look oh, yeah. on Jerry O'Connell's face when that train's behind <sighs> them and he's running and he's—that
1: is pure abject terror. fear, baby. Absolute and terror. Absolute yeah. brilliant, brilliant performance. So fantastic. So the movie was nominated for an Academy Award for best adapted screenplay. Ooh, uh, it did. Uh, it was nominated for two Golden Globe awards as well for best drama and for best director, and it didn't win any of them, unfortunately. Wham yeah. uh Yeah, Stephen King. Love the movie. Uh, he said, and I quote, that's the best film ever made out of anything I've written, which isn't saying much, but you've really <laughs> captured my story. It is autobiographical. Wow. Could have yeah. left out the, which isn't saying much. I get he's it. It's a self deprecating thing. Downplaying, yeah, yeah. Downplaying his own talent. And well, no. He's downplaying the ability of the filmmakers yes, to adapt, to adapt his, his wonderful work. I think he was still really pissed off about The Shining at this point. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, yeah. That, one, that was a that was a bird in his saddle for quite a while.
1: Uh, Rob Reiner has said that Stand by Me is his personal favorite movie.
0: Uh, That's uh, saying a lot, movies. man. Yeah. he
1: did Princess Bride.
0: He he's did. Oh, he done some great Tab. movies. Yeah, but I would say it's my favorite movie. Of his. I love Princess great. Bride,
1: and I love Spinal Tap. But this this is there's just something about Stand by Me that is it's so a, genuine.
0: It's a perfect movie. It's a yeah, It's would one of that. the
1: perfect movies.
0: I would not change a thing on that movie. It really holds up. Yeah, it does. And, it really does. And if you wanna see some insanely good performances by kids and you haven't seen this movie,
1: check it out. It's really interesting that someone in twenty twenty one can identify with the movie made in nineteen eighty six about nineteen fifty nine. Right. Because kids will always be kids. This is it's a it's just a growing up a fact of life sure. that this is gonna happen and this movie captures it so perfectly.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if kids have the same Freedom that we had, uh, you know, leaving in the morning, yeah, yeah, and then coming home when your mom calls for you at night. I don't know, I don't have kids, so maybe they do. I, I yeah, it seems like they the culture isn't so much bike riding and exploring and b- but, building forts, but still picking
1: and choosing your friends and yes. finding your friends, regardless if you're just playing online talking or talking to them doing, over or, yeah, FaceTime and or <laughs> and
0: Skyping and TikTok, yes, and <laughs> never actually seeing them in person. And when you do, never look him in the eye because you're... Yeah, it's weird and awkward. You're, you're glued to your phone because these <laughs> damn kids today... I haven't gone
1: on my these damn kids today <laughs> rant for this show yet. No. But this movie, if you've not seen this movie, highly recommend it. It is... It is... You will identify with it. It will make you think about your childhood and and that coming of age of and, read the and read the book and oh, read the book a hundred percent read different
0: seasons if you're a Stephen King fan or if you're just a fan of good stories yeah pick yeah. that book up because it's four very different stories than anything he had written before yeah afterwards he's done you know Lisey's story is very different mm-hmm. and you know, Rose uh Matter Rose and Matter yeah and Dolores Claiborne there's a lot of like more personal stories or things and, that he, yeah. where he takes a, a
1: a risk you know yeah where it yeah goes, yeah. exactly. goes kind of out of his wheelhouse it's this is a good gateway drug into Stephen King. <laughs> if you want to get yeah. into Stephen King and you're afraid of his horror stuff, read different seasons. Yeah, you know, or you can just pick and choose which ones you want to read. Read the Body, yeah. read Apt Pupil,
0: or read, yeah, read Shawshank Rita Hayworth. Read a Hayworth. It's so good. You will see that both the Body and Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption were adapted really well. Mm-hmm. Not, you mm-hmm. not exactly not word for word, but no. definitely the feel. Like they, yeah. the reason why they're
1: such good adaptations is because they capture. The feeling of those stories. Exactly, exactly. The spirit is there. And and this is why King identified with Stand By Me. So. Yeah. Well, it was also his childhood, man. It was his, his most autobiographical story to date. It would be weird seeing, like, looking up and going, yeah, yeah, that was me as a kid. Like, this is so bizarre. Like, I... I yeah, bet you awesome. he was a skinny, weird looking kid with glasses. Of course he was. Of course he was.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Writing stories. This is what I love, too, by the way. So they're all sitting around the campfire and tell us a story, Gordy. Tell us a story. He's like, well, tell us one about, uh, you know, don't tell us one of your horror stories. I, I'm, I'm too yeah. scared. Don't tell. You know, tell us one about the. The Rangers fighting in the World War II, whatever. And all have their favorites that he told and He's like, I'm yeah. working on something a little different, guys. He, he, without any sort of bashfulness, he, he goes into this story and tells this great story. <laughs> My favorite part is at the end. <laughs> Vern's like, and then what happens? Yeah. He's like, well, what? Well, it's over. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. what happens? And then Teddy Teddy is like, well, what he should do is he should go <laughs> home and he should kill his dad. <laughs> and then he should go over and kill a bunch of chaps, you know, or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah. And it's just
1: like. Oh, yeah but it's like you get to see that Stephen King going, but that's where the story ends when you see Chris,
0: Chris gets it, but it's just so funny because they're still kids, you know, and it's yeah, not like yeah. the it's a cool story, but as a kid it 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 doesn't have no. the that
1: ending that these kids want. <laughs> you know it's, and they, they... it's ironic considering that people always complain about Stephen King's yes, ending exactly and, and how he can end books, which is not true for Stephen King. The, the story ends when the story's done. Sure. And that's it. We're out of time. We're going to be back next week
0: with a little bit of Fast Times at Ridgemont yeah, yeah. We're actually going to be back to school. Yes. This, this is, is our, our little
1: transition. Yeah. End of summer, back to school. Ellie, you guys going to middle school. Yeah. Watch your butts. <laughs>
0: this. <laughs> Now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, Battlestar Galactica already in progress.